Hello, and welcome back to the strangest gig I've ever played. The podcast where we hear the true tales about all the strange, weird, wild, wacky, terrible, and or amazing gigs we have to take in order to make it as freelance and gigging musicians. With us today on the podcast is one Matt the Cat Hillier, lead singer and songwriter for the great Dallas classic country honky-tonk band 1100 Springs. Y'all stick around for some great stories. We are back after summer hiatus. Happy to be here. We got a lot of really great guests lined up for this season, and I can't wait for you to hear them and hear all the amazing stories. Again, this is the Strangest Gig Podcast, and I'm your host, Chris J. Norwood. If you'd like to know more about what I've got going on, you can go to chrisjnorwood.com. In this studio now, working on a new album, new sound with a big band. It's a vintage-inspired rock and soul review, which I'm very excited about. We've got some gigs coming up in late October. I'd love for you to come to. But right now, let's go ahead and get into Matt Hillier. As I said, Matt is the lead singer and songwriter for 1100 Springs, the band that just decided to hang up their honky-tonk boots after over 20 years of being one of the best classic country bands coming out of Texas. You can go check out the documentary, The Road to 1100 Springs, to hear more of those stories. Matt and I get into a few of those as well. We also hear some of the crazy stories from Matt's early days in Lone Star Trio, traveling around, doing touring all the wrong ways. We had such a fun conversation that we actually had to split this podcast up into two parts. And I don't want to waste your time anymore, so let's get into part one. Here's Matt the Cat Hillier. Cool. Well, Matt... I will um, follow... Yeah, are we starting now? We're starting now. Okay, Matt, <laughs> good deal. Welcome to the podcast. Um, I really appreciate you being here. Um, I mean, you're obviously a guy that's been around doing the thing for a long, long time, so I know you got a lot of great stories. Uh, but first, tell me about your current gig, what you've got going on currently. Well, um, you know, I'll tell you, I'll go back a little bit because... Um, of course, 1100 Springs, I did that for 23 years, and the bands that Steve and I put together before that, you know, so that amounts to about 30 years of he and I working together in, right. in bands, um, and then we, we quit doing 1100 Springs last uh, November. Um, so but, what, what but, was that decision like to, to stop doing 1100 Springs? Was it? I mean, you know what, if I'm telling the truth, we had been hovering over that button for years, yeah. really, just cause you know, anytime you're going to go make a record, you, it's like a decision. It's like, okay, do we make another record? Do we do, do this? And it, it, it relates to the answer to your question. It's basically like, I think a few years, like maybe around 2012 or 2013, 1100 Springs didn't break up, but it, it's just started doing less stuff. And uh, and then some people thought we did break up. But we never <laughs> we never really did. But it, in that process, I started doing more acoustic singer-songwriter shows, Yeah, uh, which I had been doing over the years anyways, but I really kind of leaned into it pretty good and realized how much I really just enjoy that a lot. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. It's just kind of acoustic singer songwriter stuff. Are you working on a solo album? I have my record is done. That's great. And I'm working on my next one. Oh wow! Um, and I'm yeah, I got a lot of stuff. Man. That's great. Yeah, so my record will drop, as they say. As they say. Uh, 
officially in February, but we're going to be releasing some singles here in the next couple of weeks and in the months. Of course, you don't really want to release a record in the back half the back half of the right. year, you know. So where'd you record? Uh, a couple different places. We did the drums and bass at Modern Electric in okay. Dallas, and then we did some fiddle tracks at Audio Dallas, and then um, we recorded some at a studio, uh, Chemical Street. Yeah. And um, and then some at uh, good old John Pettigo's house. Did Pettigo produce? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He did a great job. Um, I'm really excited about it. It's great. You know, it's if you like my songs historically, then you'll like this. But then also, there's some left turns on it as well. You know, just since I don't, since I'm not really specifically writing to the sound of a band, there's some stuff that's just different, and it's it's fun. I'm excited for people to hear it. Was that like? Um... I don't know, inspiring to you to be like, oh, I don't have to think about Steve playing this bait, you know, a certain bait or it's liberating. Yeah, it's liberating because you can do whatever, whatever you want to do where not that I couldn't do that with the band. And to be clear, it's not a, it's not a, an album with just, just acoustic, you know, like it's, it's got a band on the album, but um, my gigs are typically acoustic, but um, no, it's liberating that way just because there's, a whole bunch of songs that I have that uh, maybe just aren't that traditional country sound. Yeah. You know, I don't have to have a fiddle or a steel on any of it. On every single if track, If I don't yeah. want it, you know. Um, and I can just, I don't know, just sort of produce to the, to the song. That's great. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I, I had a lot of fun with it. That's so. cool. So tell me about, like, I'm interested to hear about those early days of 11 and Hundred Springs playing at Adairs, right? Because I played at Adairs a uh-huh. bunch, um, and it's always like it's either dead or it can be like the rowdiest place you've ever played on any random, like even on like a Tuesday. Yeah, it could be super rowdy. So what what were those early days at Adairs like? Well, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, we didn't. It wasn't the the band wasn't supposed to be anything at all except for a way for us to make extra beer money. Because we it, it was me and Steve and Richie Vasquez who uh, playing drums. So it was just the three of us. And he, at the time, was playing for Jesse Dayton. Uh-huh. And uh, so we got a residency there on Monday nights just f- for fun. Because we, yeah. I mean, we already knew all these country songs anyways, or, you know, at least the ones we could remember. Right. Um. And we would just go up there and screw around and and be silly and y'all just did it as a trio at first. Yeah, just as a trio, just sort of playing old Hank Thompson or you know Johnny Horton or yeah. whatever else. Like, um, and there wasn't you like you said there wasn't anybody there right. except like maybe a couple of like bar regulars that didn't care for what we were doing because we weren't <laughs> yeah. very good because we weren't we didn't we didn't have to be. Yeah. I mean, we we didn't we weren't just terrible. We knew some, right. some of these songs, but there were no arrangements. It's not like we had a rehearsal or anything. Yeah, like that. You just we got just got up there and and said, "You remember this song? Oh yeah, I remember that. Let's <laughs> we'll just do that train beat. There we go." Um, and then after a while, we had enough people because we were playing rock music. Steve and I had a, a rock band that we were doing at the time, and um, so it was just kind of a side gig. But all our rock and roll friends who worked at the bars and worked, you know, as bartenders or door guys or sound men or whatever, um, Monday night was like 
their weekend, you know. Yeah. So service industry night, you get all these people coming from the bars, you know, younger rock and roll types with tattoos and crazy colored hair and yeah. piercings and things like that. And they would come in, and the bar regulars did not like that <laughs> at all. Um, so, I mean, we almost got fired from that residency just because because there was enough crotchety yeah. guys complaining about, right? you know, girls dancing with each other, you know, <laughs> like, uh, but Paul, the bartender, was the one who kind of stuck up for our gig, and he was like, man, he told Lois um, and Junior, uh, this is the way I understand it, by the way, I don't, you know, I wasn't privy to these conversations, but right. um, basically, like, no, these are, this is a younger crowd. These are people who don't come in here. Yeah. We 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 want these people. And then it turned it we got better. We added a fiddle. We got better over time. Uh and I started writing a couple songs for it. We made a $5 cassette tape cuz our fiddle player had like some studio time that he won at his church or something oh, like wow. that. So we went in and recorded a $5 tape. And sold enough of those mm-hmm. to make a T-shirt. Sold enough T-shirts to make a CD. Yeah. And the Monday nights started to turn into a scene. Like it would, it just became. Word got out that you could go drink cheap beer. Yeah. And it was free, and you could see a band um, righteously screw up traditional country music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And 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 then uh, uh, Mike Snyder started putting us on different shows like at the gypsy tea room and mm-hmm. stuff opening for people uh, and it just kind of steamrolled you know like it became it just became a thing those monday nights when at their height it was it was wild yeah i mean when it got to be a thing like every monday night was packed mm-hmm. and it was just it was a lot it was a lot to, to handle and those those monday nights were got to be really crazy um Crazy, so, just because the crowd was kind of crazy. Or? The crowd was crazy. Yeah, I mean, you know, and it's it's eight airs. Eight airs has when it's when it's, um, like you said, when it's hopping. Yeah, it's just got an energy. It does. It forces people to drink excessively. Uh-huh. Um, and, I mean, it's a honky tonk in the truest sense of the word. Yeah, in the middle of you know downtown Dallas. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was a, it was a really good energy, and you know, like the fact that it was. The difference between Monday nights and Saturday nights at Adairs, as far as when we were playing, was that the crowd you're not gonna you weren't gonna find that crowd. I don't think any anywhere else that mixture of people because, yeah. like I said, you had rock and rollers, you had college kids, you had mm-hmm. rednecks, you had just regular old working folks, um, all mixed together in one spot. Yeah, it was a real hodgepodge type crowd and it all centered around that music and know? still i mean eight airs is still that way where you get that kind of mix yeah it's, kinda, many... it's like a weird sort of t- tourist spot you yeah. know like um but i don't know I, I went in there recently and uh you know i don't know it's still got it still feels like it's got that energy it's just sort of dank and yeah you know uh just i don't know it's, it's, it's got that heartbeat to it So, um, man, let's get into some of the fun stuff. Tell me about. Uh, tell me now about your the strangest gig you've ever played. It's really hard to to narrow that down. Um, 
Let's hear all of them then. Well, yeah, no, there's lots of them. And, you know, because you get to thinking, you wonder sometimes how many gigs you've actually played in your life, and it's thousands, I know. Um, But, okay, so the one that I typically go to on this, and I don't know how strange it is, but it's just, I I don't, but it's one of these moments where you just sort of have a self-realization. It's like, what is this? How does this happen? Absolutely, yeah. we had a. We used to do these gigs, these casino gigs in Oklahoma, uh-huh. and we would try to book these things in uh, concurrently with uh, uh, some sort of run up to the Midwest. Yeah, because a lot of times they would book you for two or three days, sometimes early in the week, and uh, the money was okay. It was yeah. decent. They'd put you up, and you'd be. You'd make it halfway to where wherever you were going and mm-hmm. put some gas in your tank and all that stuff. Now that being said, I they're they're not good gigs. The casino. They're gigs. not good gigs. Are you, you know? playing in a, like a the like a theater the or like right out of you? No, you're on the casino floor. You're on the floor, yeah. With a bunch these of blue gigs, hairs, well, yeah, quarters. these gigs were in particular. There was one on that was literally on the border of Oklahoma and Arkansas and Salome Springs. And uh, like the casino was in Oklahoma. Yeah. If you cross the street, you're in Arkansas. Yeah. Arkansas. Um, but this it was one of those casinos that that didn't have any card games. It was only slot <laughs> machines. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I'm telling you, and and they wouldn't let you play amplifiers. You had to play through one of those oh, pods. Wow, yeah. And they wouldn't let you play your own drum set. You had to play electric drums because they oh, needed wow. to, to control all that stuff. Yeah. They're not. There, it takes a strong constitution, absolutely. Uh, you know, to 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 sort of suck it up and go do this gig. Was anybody there to like see y'all, or was it were y'all just no, background noise? No, nobody's there to see music at yeah. all. Like, uh, it's. I mean, it's just it's nowheresville. Which but this wasn't. In- this wasn't. The, the Slum Springs isn't where I, where I, the gig I'm talking about. Yeah. We did another one that was sort of outside of Tulsa, which was a better casino, but it's still just not good. Still same casino. same electric drum thing. Um, and, um, so we were there for like Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah. And they asked us if we wanted to tack on an extra gig on the Sunday. Like a matinee or Sunday night? Yeah, it was a matinee. They were promoting a new game (laughs) and it was, it was not the, we were going to be playing in, in like a ballroom instead of the uh, casino floor. Um, and so, but so which mean we we had to pack up our stuff and and towed it to the other side yeah. of the casino and which wasn't any big deal. It was going to be like from noon to three. Yeah, and uh, and it's extra money. We're like, well, we're already here, so we might, might as well, as well. Just, might yeah. as well go and do it. So, so we did. We towed it everything over there, loaded in onto this actual stage. You know, seems legit. Yeah, more legit than the gigs we've been doing the days prior. Yeah, and um, it's it's about noon. Nobody is in this room except the people who are working. Yeah, no one. <laughs> and and uh, they're like, okay, you guys got to start. I'm like, seriously? I mean, there's, like, no, there's no one. There's nobody in. It's like, well, if you start playing, they'll come. It's like they're not coming. They're not coming. Yeah. They're not coming. Uh, so we start playing, and I'm up there on stage playing to just the people who are casino workers. They yeah. got a, they got a buffet of food for people to come in and check out this new game, 
and uh, was it an, another slot game? No, no. This is this is where it gets interesting. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the game, I come to realize as I'm on stage, I look over in the back part of the room, and there's just this. Uh, it's this box uh, with a live chicken in it, <laughs> and um, the name of the game is Chick Tac Doe. Oh no! <laughs> and basically, you're tr- playing tic tac toe against a chicken. Yeah. And you're supposed to guess that there's a piece of dough or whatever it is that they're feeding this chicken th- to make him, you know, pick whatever X or O he's going to pick. Yeah. And uh, you're supposed to guess against the chicken. Yeah. This ridiculously <laughs> stupid game, you know, just like a stupid game, and people would come in. And maybe they'd play the game, but really they didn't. They just came and got a plate of food, free yeah. food, and walked out. And um, oh, and man. I'm looking at the situation, and I'm like, man, I'm up here on stage playing for a live chicken, <laughs> you know? At this, how does this happen? Like, yeah. what? What? What bad decisions in life did I make to to put me in this room where this this is not what I had in mind? No, you know when I started when you playing first music, picked up a guitar, and, and the, the, the thing songs. that really messed me up in the head about it was just you know people come in and they get their food and they split, but uh, the thing that messed me up was the fact that they ought to just take a wild guess what was on the buffet. Uh, fried chicken. Chicken. Yeah, that's right. Yes. So it's like you got this chicken in this box, who I relate to more than anything. Yeah. Because I'm up here on this stage. It's like me and the chicken have so much in common in this scenario. Yeah. And this whole family's being served ten feet away. It's like, what am I doing here? So I don't know how strange that is, but it is. You know, it is one of those gigs that you have like real as. A moment of realization. Should maybe to make you may, maybe rethink your question your entire <laughs> life. You know what the funny thing the is? The long drive home from Tulsa after yeah. that. You know, like the funny thing is, is you're actually the second guest that I've had to tell a similar story. Chick Tac Doe. Uh huh. I, I somebody Chris, else played. Yeah, Chick- it was Chris Holtz, <laughs> and he was he was playing a gig at. Um, oh God, what's that? Jimmy Dean's that place up on the freeway anyway it was oh eddie dean eddie dean yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and the same thing but i think it was like a chicken drop where like you bet on where a chicken's gonna take uh, yeah a shit. yeah yeah chicken shit bingo yeah that is i've seen that a lot that's got its charm you yeah know, it's funny because you're waiting for a chicken to take a dump you yeah know? like uh yeah that's 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 weird in and of itself but i've seen that i've seen that plenty of times and um but the the chick tac There was another time, uh, you talk about a situation that was weird. You know, of course, I started when I was really young. Yeah. Playing gigs. And um, when, you know, when you're that young, everything is like an adventure to you. You know, you you just, you do just about any gig that anybody asks mm-hmm. you to do. Happily so, yeah. Yeah. It just, if there was there an opportunity to go play, sure. Everything, yeah. I got nothing else to do that's better than that. You know, right. so I remember... When I was probably about 18, uh, Lone Star Trio was the band we had. And, um, 
Of course, Lone Star Trio did pretty well, man. Like we 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 had you know plenty of legit gigs, so we didn't have to take this so-called gig. Yeah. But somebody called us last minute. This this gal that we knew and said there was going to be a lingerie party. Okay. Do you want to come and play the lingerie party? Uh, we can give you 50 bucks. <laughs> and we said, yes. Absolutely. We do, we do want to come play the lingerie party. You had me at lingerie party. <laughs> now, uh, because, I mean, that just sounds interesting. Yeah. You know? Uh, and knowing who, who asked us to do it, it's like, it's going to get crazy. Yeah. It's good. That's uh, it's going to be an interesting time. Yeah. So we loaded into this house over off Live Oak and uh, set up our stuff. And these gals are all in lingerie now. Uh, I don't think any of these girls would be listening to this podcast. So I'll go ahead and say that <laughs> it, it <laughs> these maybe not necessarily the girls that you actually want to see at the lingerie sure. party. Yeah, sure. But I mean, hell, we're young, you know, freewheeling dudes. You yeah. Know? Uh, so, you know, just like any party, it starts off just kind of tame. Yeah. Nobody's really lubricated yet. So who's the party for? Lack for lack of a better term. Right. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Some One of the gals, I guess maybe it was their birthday or something, you know, but they're all hanging out in their lingerie in the backyard. And um, they have a like a bonfire going on yeah. back there, and the band is the only dudes there. Oh wow! And they're drinking um, some sort of weird blue drink. <laughs> and I was again, I was eighteen. I really didn't drink hardly ever. Yeah. Then, um, but they, you know, they really wanted us to partake in this blue drink. You know. I don't know what it is. It looked like hypnotic or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. I'm like, no, nah, I'm staying away from the blue drink. Yeah. But they're all sitting around the fire, and a lot, there's a big thing that they're sitting on. Kind of looked like they were sitting on a log, but it, was an, it wasn't a log. It was an art, some sort of art installation of a giant penis. Okay. And they're all sitting, <laughs> it's laying on the ground, and they're all sitting on it, you know. And of course, we're the only dudes there, yeah. and I was eighteen, and uh, you know, uh, they they were flirting pretty heavily, and yeah. they're starting to get loaded and starting to get loose and everything like that, and and we start playing, having a good time, and uh, then uh, they start taking more clothes off and okay. stuff. We started taking clothes off. <laughs> And we didn't, we didn't get butt naked or anything. We got we by the time we did get down to our underpants, which encouraged them to get get down yeah. with it. You yeah. know, <laughs> somewhere there there's there's there are photographs of okay. this situation <laughs> on somebody's hard drive. Yeah, some, someplace. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think the thing that freaked me out the most was just the the big penis. <laughs> couch thing that they're all sitting on it it was i mean i don't know it was it was very you know interesting to watch as, oh, a, yeah. as an 18 year old you know you never seen anything like that before i mean you're thinking just from that point out it's lingerie parties every night that you're playing <laughs> no no I was, i'm thinking i want to get out of here alive uh, i don't want to get torn to pieces by these gals yeah and you know if like I say, yeah, it was a lingerie party, but it's not necessarily the lingerie party that you of your dreams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's not what you imagine when you think about stuff sure. like that. 
but yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of gigs that I I, I can think of that it's just like situ. It's gigs being weird is not that that it's not even that weird to me because the whole process, right. the whole prospect of getting up on stage and uh, yeah. taking all your stuff and driving someplace and getting up on stage, loading it on to a stage, and then having the audacity to believe that these people need to hear what you have to say. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. That is weird enough. Absolutely. The ones that I remember, sadly enough, are are um, usually because I had some sort of moment of, like I say, self-realization where you're just like, how does this happen? Yeah. Well, you know, why does this happen? Uh, and that's not not necessarily always in, in, a, in a good way. Yeah. You know? But weird stuff, I don't know. I welcome that. I don't know. I, I'm not sure exactly what's so normal about any gig anybody ever That's plays. True. You know, it makes it makes it worth doing a lot of times. Yeah, I tell you, when I was young and I started, and I was, I'm talking, I was probably 12 or 13, and I was hanging out with a whole bunch of older musicians. Yeah, and they always had stories. They always had these good stories, and they were really good at telling them and stuff. And I just would love to sit there and listen to them. Yeah. And I was like, man, and I didn't have not, I didn't have anything to contribute just because, yeah, nothing really had ever happened to me, uh, you know, you know, save like a couple of gigs that I might have had, and yeah. nobody wants to hear about those stories from a thirteen-year-old. Nobody's sure. buying them. So I always wanted to have stories like everybody else. And what you what they don't tell you when you're starting out is like a lot of those stories are just bought with a lot of really hard situations they're funny yeah. to laugh at later, later. <laughs> you know but when you're in it like yeah it's not it's not necessarily what you thought it was going to be right. you know when you're trying to make a career out of it right like that's not what you're that's weird you yeah. want to talk about what weird the entire gig is weird you know like just the idea that you can it, it there's a reason people get scared off from this so-called business absolutely so easily and especially nowadays but um you know, it's not for the it's not for the faint hearted. And there's so many of those trips, especially back then. Now I look at younger guys that are starting out and just there's like a, a handbook almost. Yeah. That that they can follow and figure out, uh, well, OK, this is how you do this, this is how you do this. It's, there's the Internet. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Right. There's GPS. Yeah. That's a big deal. <laughs> You know, the you first look up the next the fast first food Garmin yeah. box we ever had. You yeah. know, like it was one of the really big clunky Garmin box, and I got it for Christmas. My yeah. my in laws bought me a. Uh, for those who don't know, remember Garmin, Garmin was like one of the first GPS sort of. It's a box like yeah, it looked the, like a computer that you set on your dash. Right. Yeah. Uh, and half the time the band cursed it because it would get it wrong, you know, like, <laughs> like and you're dry. But you don't, now it's like you, you don't realize what a revolutionary thing that is and Absolutely, how you yeah. uh, now automatically overnight, it's like you just stopped having to stop at the, uh, at the gas station and call the club for directions, yeah. you know? All right, that's part one. I don't know, man. I think Chick Tac Doe sounds like a lot of fun. But uh, not anything I'd want to play a gig for. Y'all stick around. We got part two coming up in a couple weeks. Y'all stay tuned for that. Some more great stories from Matt about being a Bone Star Trio and traveling around, doing it all the wrong way. Again, my name is Chris J. Norwood, and this is the Strangest Gig Podcast. Thanks for tuning in.